Welcome to Single Moms Unfolded. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Kelly Vieira. This is a podcast for single moms created by a single mom to help single moms. This is our safe space to love, to connect, and grow together. Hello friends, welcome back to Single Moms Unfolded. I'm Kelly Vieira, your host, and today we are super lucky. We have an investor, a dad of two girls, and an entrepreneur, Andy Gupta. Welcome, Andy. Kelly, it's so good to be here. I've been following you for over a year. I just love your podcast and how you serve. It's it's such an honor to be here on your show. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And I must tell you, you are the first man that has been on Single Moms Unfolded. So oh my God, that is that is such a huge honor, and those are huge, huge, huge shoes to fill. So hopefully, it'll be uh, it, it'll it'll be worth the time of your uh, audience. No pressure. I'm sure you got this. I'm sure you got this. So Andy, tell us about yourself. Sure. So um, look, I grew up in India, and I didn't come from wealth. Grew up in Mumbai, and not the fancy part of Mumbai, and. Uh, my my story is that as far back as I can remember, I was five years old, um, really afraid that something might happen to my mom. My parents would fight violently, and we lived in this tiny apartment, and uh, it was pretty scary. And my fear was that something's going to happen to my mom, and I'm going to get thrown out into the streets of Mumbai, which is a really scary place to be. And here's the hard part. It was not a one-time incident. It happened almost every night. And when you're a child and that fear that something might happen to my mom, that I don't know if I'm going to be out on the streets, gets reinforced every single day. Uh, today at 45, that fear hasn't gone away. Mm-hmm. That fear I don't think ever goes away. And um, I live with that fear. It shows up, but I recognize that fear, and then I'm able to reframe it. It took years of work to be able to do that. Um, but that's what led me to, one, leave home uh, after 10th grade because I couldn't take it anymore. My parents didn't have the money, but I won a scholarship from the government of Singapore to come do high school. And that was a lifesaver, Kelly. I, I, I think I could have gone down a pretty bad path. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not had that uh, saving grace. And that scholarship really saved saved me. Uh, and I was so focused. I was just having this uh, conversation yesterday with a gentleman in uh, Dean Graziosi's group. I had made a post and he could relate to the way I grew up. And he's like, Andy, how did you maintain that positivity? Yeah. Not go down the path of drugs or al- alcohol. And I said, look, for me, I was very clearly focused on protecting my mom. Yeah. Your mom was your why to keep moving forward. Yeah, she was. And had I gone into drugs or alcohol, uh, not only would I have been a mess, what help would I have been to my mom? So from very early on, I grew up very quickly. I grew up very fast. And um, I was my single objective was how do I protect my mom? And I knew to protect my mom, I had to focus on my education. 
and I had to get out of that house. I had to make something of myself. So after Singapore, I won a scholarship to come to the States for college. And I worked 20 hours a week, earning $5.25 an hour to put myself through school. It was a work-study scholarship. And my sights were on Wall Street because I had no other backup plan. If I had to get my mom out of that place, I had to go for the highest paying job, and that was Wall Street. And of course, no one wanted me on Wall Street because I was not a target school. <laughs> I was not a target school. I still remember calling every investment bank and they were like, oh, which school are you? I'm from a very good school. I'm from Lafayette College. It's a great, great school, by the way. Phenomenal school, phenomenal school. I, I, I owe my career to being in that, that college, but it was not in Ivy League. <sighs> and I said, you know what? I'm not gonna take no for an answer. Good. What is the number one investment bank on Wall Street? Goldman Sachs. And I was like, what is the number one group within the number one bank? And that's the mergers and acquisitions group, the group responsible for putting companies together. I was like, that's where I want to be. And they only take 12 kids. 12. 12. Invariably, most of them are from Ivy League. I'm like, that's where I want to be. And Kelly, I still remember that phone call when I came back to my dorm room. We still had landlines during those days. And uh, the co-head of the mergers and acquisitions group was on the phone. I get goosebumps. This was, this was such a long time ago, 1999. And I still remember the phone call. I'm still getting the goosebumps right now. It's like, Andy, this is Alistair Hunt. We'd love to offer you a spot on the mergers and acquisitions group at Goldman Sachs. Wow. And that started my career, a 20 plus year career in Wall Street. And I remember when I was at Harvard Business School in 2006, I was in London. I got a call from my mom that my dad had thrown her out. Oh. She was afraid, she was scared. Yeah. What to do? It was night. She didn't have any money. And uh, I put her up in a hotel and I got her on the first flight out to London. That was 16 years ago, 17 years ago. Since then, uh, I've taken care of my mom. I've retired her, she lives comfortably. And uh, you know, that purpose, that purpose as a child, um, taking care of my mom, making sure she's comfortable. That happened in 2006, I was prepared for it. And uh, long story short, I left my 20 year Wall Street career last year, Kelly, because it's 2023. Well, that time it was 2022. And women are still being told how to live. Mm. Yes. I have two daughters. Women are still being told how to live. And I've spoken now, I've spoken to 950 women, Kelly. Here are the three recurring themes. Can I share those with you? Yes, please. Okay, so speaking with 950 women, here are the three recurring themes. I'm being sexually harassed at work. Mm. Even after the Me Too movement, it is still prevalent, and this is what's heartbreaking. If I report it, the guy's gonna get fired. But my career, I've spent so much time and effort building my career at this firm, that is over too. I was shocked when I heard this. Mm -hmm. 
or I don't report it as daily hell and I don't have the financial freedom yet. I don't have the financial independence yet to just quit right. and go get another job. That is, that, is, that is the first consistent theme. The second consistent theme is why is there still a wage gap? Why do I, as a woman, have to work 10 to 15 years longer than a man to get to the same place in retirement? It's freaking 2022, it's 2023, and why is it still there? And the third is I've either divorced or I'm widowed and I let my husband manage the money. And now I'm really scared how I'm going to raise the kids or how I'm going to plan for retirement. And that's why I say, Kelly, I left my Wall Street career because I saw this happening. Mm -hmm. I got two kids, two girls. I, because of the way I grew up, seeing my mom, sharing my skill set that took me 20 plus years of trial and error because I don't have mentors. Shouldn't take anyone 20 years. Shouldn't take anyone 20 years. And that's what I, that's what I'm so excited about is sharing my skill set. And Kelly, you were at my workshop two weeks ago. The joy you see, the eyes light up. And what I want to empower, I can't empower anyone. Your financial empowerment is your birthright. I can't, I can't give it to you. But what I can do is I can be that friend who connects the dots for you, shares my skill set. Think of you and me sitting in a cafe and I'm just like a friend would. I'm like, hey, Kelly, I've just been doing this a little longer for 20 years. Let me just show you some of these things. Let me just connect the dots for you. You're already a superstar. You're already a rock star. And Kelly, in the couple of hours, the women were like, oh my God, I got this. And then you bust that myth that investing is something so complicated and it's only for the professionals and it's so boring. And you suddenly see like, oh my God, well, actually I can do this. That is what's so empowering. And it's so true for everybody listening. Uh, I went to Andy's class and we were dancing and you like thinking, oh my God, I'm, I'm not good with money. And then he puts up a slide with Cookie Monster showing inflation. You're like, oh my God, that's so, it's Cookie Monster. You know, single moms can relate to these things. It's like, oh yes, this is great. It totally changes your whole mindset. For sure. It is, right? For it sure. is totally about being silly. It's being yourself. It's allowing yourself to, to be you. And look, I'm a naturally a very silly, goofy person. In spite of my tough childhood, maybe that was a shield and I had to, uh, I finally unveil my little silly self. Um, but that's, that's what makes investing fun. It's like showing Cookie Monster. Right, talking about like, yeah, I spent 20 plus years on Wall Street. I don't have to be all serious. I don't have to show up in a tie. I don't have to like talk slow to build credibility. <laughs> no, I don't care about my credibility at all. I've, I don't need to prove anything. I want to make sure that you enjoy investing. You think like, oh my God, Cookie Monster and my portfolio should look like an ice cream sundae. Okay, now this starts looking really interesting. Let me pay attention. That's right. That's how it changes. And that brings up a good thing. So a lot of single moms are living in scarcity, right? First, I want to commend yeah. you for being such an awesome son that you want to take care of your mom. And from Thank early you. age, is always going to take care of your mom. That's awesome. That's that's amazing. So many kids would just be like, okay, I'm out of here. But, but single moms live in scarcity, right? We don't have enough time. We don't have a lot of energy. And we certainly, you know, how do we get away from that? So we're not thinking um, we're always broke. We're always going to be struggling. What is, what is a good way to rethink about money? Because money is really hard for us, especially if you don't have a full-time job. 
You know, a lot of moms yeah. have been the caregiver. Now they're, you know, divorced and they're like, I don't know what to do. Kelly, um, you know, you bring up some very, um, some very important topics there. And uh, I've written extensively about why uh, single working moms are my heroes. Um, and maybe we'll, 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 we'll put a link to uh, one of those posts. Truly are my heroes because I can see how hard my wife works. She's, she's, she's a neuropsychologist, she's a doctor. And uh, we've got two little, two little girls. And I'm a very willing father. I want to spend time with my girls. But guess what? My girls just want their mom. <laughs> <laughs> as much as I want to help out with bedtime, no, my girls just want their mom. So can he, I look at that. I'm like, my wife just had a full day of work, right? I helped out with dinner, but then the girls just wanted, no, mom, make my grilled cheese. Okay, well, well no, I can make the same grilled No, mom, make my grilled cheese. So my, 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 my wife now has to make the grilled And now my wife has to put them to bed. It's like a two-hour ordeal. After all that, now that's with my help, right? As a single mom, like... I, I, I can't say I can imagine because I cannot, but I can possibly think about how hard it is. And after that, now I say, okay, well, Kelly, let's talk about investing. You're like, get me out of here. That is the last thing. That is the last thing I want to do. I want to read a book. I want to watch my favorite show. I want to relax. I want to have my tea. I want to meditate. Annie, that is the last thing. And guess what? That's what happens. So investing, because it appears boring, it appears complicated for a busy single mom. Mm -hmm. It gets put on the back burner. It's not even on the back burner. It's not even on the radar. Yeah, yeah we don't even think of it. 15 other things that are higher priority because you're just going from day to day, from moment to moment and surviving. Right. So here are a couple of hacks that I'd love to share. One is let's just acknowledge that money is emotional. Mm. Let's just acknowledge that and let's normalize that money is triggering. Look, we all, I make a statement because I've got data. So 140 have taken my, you know, about a thousand women have come to my free workshops but 140 have taken my 10 week course. Okay. And in this 10 week course, right from week one, you know, when I teach about investing, I come from a place of spirituality and I think you make money from as a holistic purpose and a holistic reason, not just about getting rich. And the, one of the first things we do is uh, dig deep into our money stories. And what's been fascinating is out of the 140 people, it doesn't matter whether you come from nothing like me or some of my students come from great wealth. Each one of us has got a self-limiting money story. I don't know how that happens, but each one of us does. Right, right, yeah. Self-limiting money story that we're not even aware of. It was usually some, some story that we made up as a child and it stayed within us subconscious and it's actually driving us in a certain direction whether we think like my wife's my wife we've been married to, for 12 years she contributes money to her retirement plan but all of that is in cash oh and it was not until last year it was like you're married to a professional investor <laughs> how is it still in cash and her money story was that only men can invest really 
Now, that is flawed social conditioning. I can, I can talk at length about why that is so not correct that only men can invest. But anyway, let's go with this is her money belief, right? Right or wrong, that is right. her money belief. Yeah. But she didn't even recognize it. It was so deep subconscious. And then when we started digging with this, I have a very specific, it's a very effective pre-prompt tool on identifying your money belief. She realized that this belief that only men can invest comes from her childhood when her very well-intentioned father mm -hmm. down after work with her and her older brother and encouraged both of them to work hard. Yes. Work hard in school, go to college, get a good job. But then he told the brother, earn money and invest it. And he told my wife, earn money and save it. Yeah. He came from, he's an immigrant. He was an immigrant. He came from that belief. He wanted to protect his daughter. He came from his own mindset that was passed on from his parents, right? That uh, women possibly can't invest. They could make it wrong. And so, look, I care for my daughter, but I want her to save so she doesn't lose his money. But my son, ah, whatever. He can take the risk. Yeah. <laughs> Figure it out. And, right. And there's so many women who also believe that only men can invest. Mm -hmm. And it's fraud social conditioning. So once she realizes, she's like, oh, my God, I didn't realize this, that I made up the story. And I thought it was so normal. Right. <laughs> it was so normal. I didn't even question it. And so I'm married to you for 12 years. I, I didn't even think about that. I should possibly be investing. And then we reframed her thinking. And what she reframed it with, oh, my God, I've got a PhD. I'm a doctor. I've done a lot of complicated things. I've accomplished a lot. I don't know the skill set yet. Yet. Just like I have done this many times before and I've accomplished a lot more challenging things than each one of your audience members, I'd encourage you in this very moment, take a minute to think about something that you have accomplished, that you have that's present in your life today, that at one point was a dream. Mm. Yeah. And I bet you'll find not just one, you'll find several. Right. Yeah. I remember being unhappy in my marriage and I always pictured like this little house, you know, with a fireplace and my daughter and I, just this quiet little place. And now we well, our house is not that little, but yeah. And it was just like, you're, oh my God, how am I ever going to get out of this? And here we are six years later, you know? How amazing is that? You've got that in your life today. At one point it was, I don't even know how I'm going to accomplish that. It was a dream, but you have that today, Kelly. Yes. And each one of your audience members, I'd encourage you to think about that. Now, when we think about investing and we will bust this myth that investing is complicated and boring and something only the professionals can do. Start thinking the way my wife started thinking. After 12 years of being married to me. <laughs> First, she recognized there's a story which was so normalized and, and, and deeply uh, uh, within her subconscious. But then when she recognized that story that, uh, oh, that I believe men can, only men can invest because this came from this uh, story because of my father, who was very well-intentioned towards me, but I recognize it was multi-generational. But now that I recognize it, yeah, I don't know the skill set yet. Right. But I have done so much more, just like all of you reflected, you have something today that at one point was a dream, a challenge. You've accomplished that. Just like that, you can accomplish this too. 
and you're going to step into your financial empowerment. And I firmly believe financial empowerment is every woman's birthright. You just got to go claim it. Yes. Yes. We're taught. I know I've taught money is very hard, very hard to earn. And, you know, when you get it, save it, save it, you know, and yeah. that was always in grades. So you're like worried. Okay. Should I spend 20 extra dollars on a new pair of shoes? No. If it's for the kids, yes. But it's for me. No, we don't need it. For me. For me, no. So you bring up a really interesting point, Kai, here, is what are some of the things we've been told, right, as kids? Money doesn't grow on trees. Yes. Right? Money doesn't grow on trees. I was told that all the time. Or only buy, only buy on sale. Yes. Never buy full price. Um, and, you know, several other things, you know, maybe your audience can reflect for a second on what are some of those things that you heard growing up, which invariably were passed from probably your grandparents, your parents, and, and, and they're on. So it just follows on and we don't even question this. And then we live life being, think about this as this, I call it the inner villain. Mm. The inner villain is whispering something to you in your head. I'm a student of spirituality, not religion, spirituality. That inner villain is not you. And the first step is to recognize that inner villain. Anytime you have a self-limiting thought, anytime you have a self-deprecating thought, uh, I am less or I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy of these beautiful shoes. I'm not worthy of a nice dinner out. I'm not worthy of this beautiful dress that I see in front of me. I'm not worthy of this, right? That is Prince. Prince is actually an amazing character in my, in, in, in my course, so we won't go to Prince. Inner villain is a really hilarious story about Prince. Inner villain. We'll call it the inner villain right now. Uh, that's what's listening. And the first step is identify that that voice is just a voice. It's not you. Mm-hmm. And then to reframe it with something that is real. Look at evidence that's, that, that's tangible. Um, perfect example. Can I give you an example that just happened yesterday? Sure. So I woke up and feeling nervous about what might happen in the stock market yesterday. And I was feeling dread. And I was feeling, what if I lose my money in the stock market? Now get this, I've been a professional investor. I've been on Wall Street for 20 plus years. Right. How come you're having these thoughts? You're not allowed to be nervous. You're not allowed to be nervous. But yet I woke up yesterday with this feeling. Now, guess why? So because I've done so much work on myself, I don't let myself go into that spiral, mm-hmm. downward spiral of anxiety and worry and ruin my day. Immediately, I was like, well, this is not me. This is my inner villain. This is my inner villain. And I, I know because I've done so much work is where's the story coming from? The story is coming from my five-year-old self. Mm-hmm. Something's going to happen to my mom. I'm going to be out on the streets. I'm going to lose everything. And remember, that fear hasn't gone away. And one random morning yesterday, that fear came back up. And the inner villain is telling me, Andy, look, I don't know what's going to happen to the stock market today. You might lose everything. You might be on the streets. You see how powerful that inner villain Mm -hmm. is? And when you recognize it, here's what I immediately did next. Well, let me look at all the evidence that shows me that I'm a really good investor. I've invested billions on Wall Street. I've got my own personal track record over the last 20 plus years. I've done really well. I went from that kid who worked five jobs at school 
to doing what I want to do in my 40s. I'm really good. And then I went through my portfolio in my head. I'm like, all of these are really well thought through investments. None of these are best. None of these are speculation. Immediately, I had a spring in my step. And I shared this on my LinkedIn and my Facebook so that this could help someone else. The reason I bring this up is I want to give you a ex very specific example from just yesterday of how the inner villain shows up. It will show up differently for each one of you. But let's we're talking about money. Let's focus on right now in this very instant. Are you feeling maybe a pit in your stomach? Right. Your shoulders scrunched up. Why don't we just lower our shoulders, right? Relax. Right. Let's relax the muscles on our cheeks. Let's recognize that feeling because the central nervous system is designed to protect you. And when we're talking about money, which I'm trying to normalize, it is emotional, it is triggering your central nervous system is going to react in a way to protect you because it thinks there's a saber-toothed tiger in front of you. Yes. Yes. Sometimes it feels like that, right? The right. furnace goes Especially or the car breaks down or something like that. It's It can feel that scary. You yeah. Know, what am I going to do? Perfect. Oh, my God. The car broke down. Now that's going to be a $1,000 expense. Right. How do I get to work? Right. How do I get to? Yeah. How do I get to work? Oh my God, like not only do I have a thousand dollar expense, now I'm going to miss out on five hours of work. Maybe that's another 150 bucks for me. Oh my God, what am I going to do? Well, this means what else do I need to cut out now from my expenses from this month to make this thousand dollars up? And you see how you start going to the spiral yeah. and then you just start and, adding and, more expensive. It's picture day, it's soccer's yes. due, and camp's coming up. Yeah, you can just pile on all that. Yeah, stress. So in that moment, in that moment, why don't we recognize? And take a deep breath. Slow things down. And we recognize in that moment, this is a deep story that's playing out in full force. It's an inner villain that is telling me, like for me, I'm going to lose everything. I'm going to be on the streets. But let's just take a moment. This is our inner villain. Let's take, let's 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 not fight. Let's not fight that reaction because we cannot win. We cannot fight it. The key is to acknowledge it and let it pass. Okay. And then reframe. So we think, okay, this is the the crazy talking. This is not me. Yeah. I'm you know yeah. I'm gonna find a way. And and yeah. I believe that's true because a lot of times when something happens in life, if you have faith. That you something happens, the car breaks, and then all of a sudden you get like this unexpected check that you didn't even remember was coming, and things seem to play out, or your friend can fix it for you, or whatever it might be. I feel like you have faith. Odds are it works out. Kelly, you you bring up a you you bring up a great point. Is I know all your work is centered around. Let's find self love. Let's look within ourselves for that power. Mm -hmm. Right. Let's in ourselves rather than looking outside. And I'm a big believer in spirituality and the universe and putting energy out. And uh, I learned this, look, I'm an immigrant in this country. I came from India uh, when I was uh, for college. And the immigrant mentality is to work your ass, yeah. right? And money is hard. You gotta work really, really hard to make it happen. 
And I had this coach that I met 15 years ago, a gentleman called Jeff Fisher. Changed my life. And what he said is, Andy, how about if it was not so hard? How about if you thought about abundance? How about if you put the energy of ease into the universe? It doesn't have to be so hard. How about imagining abundance for yourself? You do the work. You do the work. Let's not just say we're going to now go like, you know, take a year off. No, you do the work, but you shift your energy from it's so hard to let's bring in ease mm. and joy and abundance. And Kelly, that changed my life. That feels so much better. Just thinking Doesn't about it? like, huh. I can have ease and joy in my life. I just need to slow down. And I think a lot of single moms get stuck in that suffering, right? I can't slow down. I can't slow down. I got to keep going. It's hard not to. It's, not, it's hard not to because think of the responsibilities a single mom right. has. Right. Wow. Yeah, there's not enough hours in the day. But how about if we do, the key, I think, the key is identifying that inner Yeah. Belief. The key is identifying that inner story of where, where is this coming from? And then reframe it. Right. Absolutely. So single mom, so if you're listening, be aware of your inner villains, right? Take this week and realize when it comes up, right? And, and, and the hack is, okay, how, where is that story coming from? Right. One is recognize the self but then reflect back on what is the story. Think back. It's often the childhood. It's often childhood. Is think back. Think deep. You will find it. Think to what that story was. Just like my wife found that story. There is that story, but it's deep. Mm -hmm. It's deeply buried. Yes. Yes. The other hack I'd want to give you is all right. So once we identify the inner the next step is let's start finding ways to save. And invest. Okay. Right? We love saving as singles moms. We always feel like we're like, yeah, saving. Saving yeah, is we want, good. Yeah. So saving and investing. But he, here's another thing. And I'm a big fan of Ramit Sethi. And Ramit Sethi, who's written this book, uh, How to Grow, I'll Teach You How to Be Rich, uh, has got this. I, I, I use this example so often. It's not about living your life as a miser, right? Pinching every mm -hmm. single penny. Well, we're in this life to enjoy life. Right? We're here to enjoy every moment with our kids, our hobbies, but it all gets put on the side with our anxieties and this inner villain. This inner villain is coming up again, right? Here's the thing. If you enjoy a latte, because that brings you joy, and yes, it's $5, but you enjoy that latte, well, go get that latte. Mm -hmm. Spend that $5. But now let's find other ways, right? To, to save money. So then I've come up with this hack. And I've got this campaign. It's called the power of $50. And I want to hear about this power of $50. Oh, yeah. Tell us. <laughs> all right. This all started when I uh, opened my door and I got a Bon Appetit magazine in the mail. I, 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 love, I love cooking. I, I love Bon Appetit. But I didn't realize I still had a subscription to the Bon Appetit. Oh. And I I look through, I'm like, oh my God, I'm paying $5 for this. Now you might be like, Andy, this $5 really moved the needle. All right, guess what happens? I'm like, if I'm spending $5 on this, what else am I spending on? So I pulled up my credit card statement. Sure enough, I'm still subscribed to Hulu TV. And that's like another 15 bucks a month. 
And then I'm subscribed to Showtime. I used to watch this show called Billions that hasn't aired in three years and spent another 10 bucks a month on this. I'm like, oh my God, this is already added up to about 30 bucks. And just like this, I find a couple of items and soon I've got 50 bucks. Yeah, it's true. That I was noticing is going straight out the door. And now that I'm aware that there's 50 bucks, I immediately cancel all those. Now I've got 50 bucks in my hand. I ran the numbers of what if I took this 50 bucks a month, which hasn't changed my lifestyle. Right. I'm doing different, but I found the 50 bucks that I'm wasting. And now I invest this in the market. And we'll, we'll talk about some of the other myths of where people, most people go wrong when they invest. We'll address that. Kelly, remind me if I forget. But if you invest this systematically in the market, over the last 25 years, the market has returned about 7% a year. Okay. And we can't guarantee that through ups and downs about 7% a year. All right, so Kelly, I'm 45. If I start putting 50 bucks away every month and invest that systematically in the market, by the time I'm 65, I could have $28,000. Wow. That's no chump change. No. Every 50 bucks. And guess what? Once we find the 50 bucks, I bet you can find 100 bucks. So now we're talking about $50,000. Okay, this is at 45. If you're 20, so single moms, think about your kids. All right, think about your kids yeah. if they're 20. At 20, if you save 50 bucks a month and invest this systematically, by the time you are 65, this could potentially become $175,000. That's good. Wow. 100 bucks makes it $350,000, right? This is the power of $50. It's like watching paint dry. Absolutely, it's like watching paint dry, but the the systematic way of saving 50 bucks a month and then investing that has got incredible impact down the road, 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, 30 years down the road. And this is what's so important. And this is a very simple hack to getting potentially, you always want to use word potentially. You, never, you want to run away from anyone who promises you returns. It was like, this is exactly how it will happen, right? I will help you double your money. Uh, that's the first thing you got to run away from these people because those are, <laughs> right. those are scamsters. Can ever say, yeah. money. So, it feels scammy. Yeah. It feels very scammy, but these are hacks that I have experienced in life. Again, going from that kid who worked five jobs in college, I had no safety net. How did I systematically build my wealth? And these are simple hacks that I think everyone can do. <laughs> now, how do you find the 50 bucks, Kelly? I've got, I've got an approach to that as well. Oh, good. You know, yeah. Because 50 bucks is a lot to some single moms right now. Yes. 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 Maybe yes. I okay. So this is my little okay. hack for finding 50 bucks a month. Now, um, carry a little notebook. I'm looking around for my notebook. It's not here, but I'm doing this as well. Carry a small notebook with you and a pen. Just keep it on you. Keep it on your purse. Keep it okay. on you. Every time you pay cash, every time you swipe your credit card, note it down. Now, it will be hard initially because it's something we've never done. And it's like one more thing. Andy, give me one more thing to do. Come on. I, I, I don't have time for this, but do this, please. It's going to work magic. Note down every single time. And handwriting it makes a difference. You're like, I can just put it on my phone. No. Handwrite it in a notebook. Because there's magic. There's a method to this okay, matters. Okay. So we're writing uh, down. When we go to stop and shop and we buy groceries, we just write it down. Yeah. Put down groceries, 100 yeah. bucks. Whatever. Whatever. Yeah. Latte, five bucks. Um, pack of gum, two fifty. Whatever. Gas, fifty bucks. 
So whether you pay cash or you swipe your credit card, note it down every time. And there is a method on why this okay. works. So start out with a week. If I tell you do this for a month, it, it seems like a big goal and we never do it. So start out okay. with a week, next seven days. You know what? Think about it just today. Let me start with today, one day, one day. And that will help you go, oh, I could do this for one day. Now do it for a second day. Do this for a week and then do it for a month. You don't need to do it more than a month. Do it for a month. Okay. Next, open up a credit card statement for the last 30 days. And now what you're looking for are those recurring charges like the Hulu TV, like the Showtime. Now, if I was watching that, that's a different mm -hmm. story. I'm not even watching right. it. So what are those monthly subscriptions? Because you're not going to notice that. You, it's not something you're paying a cash for. It's not something you're physically swiping your credit card, right? This is just happening. So I want you to go and look at those credit card statements and find and circle the places where you have recurring items and then see, do I need this? Does this bring me joy? It's like the Marie Kondo I like method, that. Right? Yes, I love her. Does this bring me joy? Yes. Great. Okay. So does this expense bring me joy? If it does bring you joy, great. Right? It's the same principle. I want to enjoy my life, right. but if it's not bringing me joy, let's get out of this. Okay. So that's step number two. Step number three. Now open up your bank statement. Sorry, I'm giving a little bit of work, but this is going to work magic. So first you have a notebook, a pen, you keep it in your purse and you know it down every single time you pay cash or swipe your credit card. Second, you open up your credit card statement for the last 30 days. We don't need to go looking for the last okay. 12 months, just the last just 30 days. days. Okay. And then circle all the recurring charges. And does this bring me joy? This is not. The third and final piece, pull up your bank statement. Do this for the last three months. For the bank statement, do it for the last three months. Okay. How many times do I have an overdraft fee? Mm -hmm. How many times did I go to an ATM that was not my bank's and I got charged 350? Let's circle that. Let's circle all those instances. And by the way, my credit card statement, let's see, did I have a late fee or not? Okay. Now you sit down with 30 days of noting every day in your notebook, you will pick up trends. And I guarantee it, I guarantee it, you will find expenses in there. They're like, oh my God, I can cut this out. I can cut this out because now you're aware. Right. And now you look through your recurring charges. Now you look through late fees. Now you look through your overdraft fees or the wrong ATM fees. You'll find 50 bucks. Wow. And maybe I can challenge you. I can challenge you and your audience. Can I challenge your audience to find a hundred bucks? $100 a month. Okay. So I have a quick question for you. I don't know if this is a myth or not, but I was told instead of using the ATM card, if you're giving yourself, I don't know, $200 a week, you should take out $200 in cash. And so say that again. Instead of like swiping your ATM card at the gas pump, the grocery store, whatever for latte, if you're having cash and you're paying yeah. with cash, you're physically yes. seeing it go out. Yeah. And that's a Do you think habit. that's a good idea to try? Absolutely. Why yeah. not? As long as you're organized with money. I know I am not. <laughs> and I can lose like dollar bills and I, I that's why I never gamble. I, I, I just can't stand losing money uh, like foolishly. 
So I know I am not very organized with that, but that is a great idea. If you're good with money and you can put it in your purse, um, actually physically paying cash. Yeah. It's all about awareness, right? That's what okay. it it's about. It's the same principle you've hit on the, you've hit it on the head. It's the same principle when you take out your notebook and you're writing down your every expense, you're bringing more awareness to your spending. And again, there's no judgment here. I want to be very careful. We're not judging ourselves. What we're doing is we're becoming more aware of how we're spending so that then we can look at it objectively. And I want to repeat this because it's so important. You're not cutting out things that bring you joy. Okay. Okay. But this brings me into a segue. All right. Tell us. Oh boy. And I am guilty, absolutely guilty of doing this. Um, and that's how I learned. How often, Kelly, how often do we spend? Not because it brings us joy. It might, it might bring us joy. It might bring us joy. We're doing it for external validation. Mm. Yeah. Look, your whole work is based on let's look within. Right? And I would love to get, let me share this. And I'd love to get your perspective because you're so knowledgeable. You're so knowledgeable and skilled in this area. I would benefit from your perspective on this. Um, when I was 24, I bought a sports car. I had no business buying a sports car at 24. It was not that I was a fan of German engineering either. <laughs> I don't even know if I open up whatever it's called, the hood of the car. I didn't know the hood or whatever it is. I open up the front part of the car. <laughs> the thing that holds all the stuff. Yeah, I get the it. Thing, right? And there's stuff that's inside. Right. I got it. I can tell the engine, but that's all about them. There's all these things in there. So you see my, my knowledge about cars. So it's not that I love the engineering in a car that I bought this amazing sports car. No, it was for external validation. Mm. I was a foolish 24 year old guy thinking I could impress a woman with my sports car. Think about how foolish I was Two two strikes against me. One is foolish enough to buy a sports car. Second, even more dumb to think that a woman would be attracted to my sports car rather than me. <laughs> right. 24 year old men, foolish. All right, let's, that's a different topic well, for another day. Is, then she's this really is... not a keeper anyway. So just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's but, but again, this is fine. Okay. By the way, that plan, that plan ought to be true because I only got one date and she hated the car. See? So um, <laughs> <laughs> the point is I spend that money to look rich, mm. right? To look rich for external validation. Guess what happened? By this time, I had finished my job at Goldman Sachs. It's a two or three year program. I wanted to get to Harvard Business School. I didn't get into Harvard Business School. I missed out on all the job opportunities because I was waiting for Harvard uh -huh. Business School's decision letter. So I missed out on the job opportunities. And then my girlfriend left me. I was lost. Mm -hmm. And I jumped on the first job opportunity I got in Washington, DC. It's not even on my resume. I don't even bother to put it up there. I went for the job. I wanted to look rich because right now I had nothing to prove right. to anyone. But what did I have after two, three years at Goldman Sachs? What did I have? Like, oh my God, like Andy, all this is my inner villain. 
and I bought the sports car to show that I made it. I am rich. Think about that insecurity, yeah. right? Like, look, I'm a kid who come from anything. I worked five jobs at college. It was all my insecurity wanting to look rich that I bought the sports car. And then guess what? I was verbally abused every single day at work. I couldn't deal with it anymore. After two months, my choices were, I was not a citizen at that point. My choices were, I could quit, which meant I had to leave the country. Oh. Which, by the way, also meant I giving up, me giving up on my dream to go to Harvard Business School, because in my head, why would Harvard accept a quitter? I quit. Oh. I couldn't put up with a tough situation. So not only would I have to leave the country, I would have to give up on my dream to Harvard Business School. And guess what? You know, when you drive off a new car off the lot, the value depreciates 50% right away. Yeah, yeah, you're not getting it back. That's for sure. I would have lost $8,000 on that car. And by the way, my foolishness didn't end there. I, 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 I rented a very fancy apartment. Mm -hmm. Two-year lease. Oh, okay, nice. I had to pay off almost two years because it was month two. Kelly, I had to pull every single cent out of my 401k if any of you in your audience have has has had that experience of pulling every single cent out of your long-term retirement it is extremely painful right. i had to do that because i had to make up for the loss of the car i had to pay off my lease and i had to pay for a ticket to go to australia to live with my sister and i spent the next six months in my sister's garage I then did get a Wall Street job and I bought a $3,000 used Honda Civic hatchback. And three years later, when I came back to attend Harvard Business School, I sold that car for $4,000. Now that's awesome. a profit. But the point I'm making is that sports car cost me a lot. Mm -hmm. It perhaps made me look rich to the one person who may have cared. And there have been studies done that nobody <laughs> It's all in our head, our villain yeah. telling us. All yeah. in our head. Nobody We need cares. this, yeah. If I'm, if I'm carrying a Louis Vuitton yeah. bag or if I'm wearing one of those fancy shoes called, which have the red bottom, red soles, Louboutins. Le, Le, Le oh, I don't know. I don't do fancy shoes. Yeah. I do comfy shoes, <laughs> but yeah. There you go, right? Nobody right. cares. But we think we look rich. We're doing it for external validation. Mm -hmm. That's a way, in fact, we may look rich, but how, where did that get me? I pulled out that money, that $8,000 I lost. Had I invested in the market, I want to run those numbers. That would have been a pretty handsome chunk of money. Yeah. Right Gone forever. So when we spend for external validation out of our own insecurities, we're not getting rich. We're getting poorer. And that's why quite often, you know, the book, The Millionaire Next Door, you wouldn't know they're millionaires. Now, again, I want to reiterate, we don't want to live life miserly. Right. You want to enjoy the little joys in life because that's mm -hmm. what life's about. But we don't want to spend for our still Right. Motivation. And I think that brings up a really good topic, too, because a lot of single moms have kids that are, well, I know I do. My daughter's 11, and she's into, I want everything to have a brand name or so, you know, so-and-so at school has five pairs of Lululemon pants. Well, these are $100 sure. yoga pants. I'm like, yeah. nobody cares. Everybody cares, Mom. No. I said, if you're comfortable with you, I don't care if these black pants are Lululemon, Nike, or Walmart. 
Are they good quality? Are they comfortable? So I think that's something too, that if we're waiting for other people to tell us we're okay, we're not going to be okay. And I think you made a good point. You're losing yourself in that. Losing money, losing energy. Yeah, yeah. And that's, 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 that's the perspective I was looking from you because you've done so much work here. Let me ask you something else. Over Christmas, I was in New York City and I went to Saks Fifth Avenue. The last time I was in Saks Fifth Avenue was 20 years ago when they were, uh, I was doing a uh, deal uh, on a luxury department store. Again, for confidentiality, I'm not gonna name the store, but there was a client that I had, a premier brand name client, and that's when I started looking to these fancy department stores and luxury goods. And I haven't stepped into, at that time, of course, I was young, I was right out of college, I don't have any money. And there was this aspiration of these brands and the prestige. 25 years later, I went back into Saks Fifth Avenue and I saw it from a different lens. Mm. Like, yes, of course, there's a small minority of people who can afford it. But for the rest, this industry is built on aspiration of feeling less if you don't yeah. have this. Because five other people are carrying a Louis Vuitton bag. We don't even know their face. Well, that's true. They can rich. Canal Street for 20 bucks. Yes, you're right. Right. But we put that in our minds is, oh, my God, the peer pressure, especially as a young girl. You talked about the 11-year-old girl, right? We're still learning right. about ourselves. At 45, I'm still learning about myself. Uh, but at 11, there's so much, especially with girls in those early early years and the teen years, there's such social pressure. Yeah. And I think it's so important if we are centered within ourselves, instead of seeking all this external validation and in turn spending so much money for an aspiration that is never ending. If you notice, it, it it's doesn't, never ending. Because that thing's going to go out of style and the next thing's going to come in next week. Yes, and that is very true. You can never, ever satisfy yourself. And what ends up happening is we keep spending, keep spending. Instead, we could be buying something really nice, really right. comfy. As long as we're centered within ourselves and we can teach this to our kids as well. And then what is eye popping? You got you to you gotta give real facts, especially one to ourselves and then to our kids is... Honey, if you are like, your, girl, your daughter is 11 years old, but let's just make an example. If you're 20 and you start investing 50 bucks a month, you can hire $75,000 by the time you retire. And that's just with 50 right. bucks. And that power of what we call compounding. Again, you just have to give staggering numbers, which are based on data. And these are not get rich quick schemes. Those you got to run away from. That's what really helps. Um, Center yourself and make that effort to why is saving mm -hmm. important. And then as, as you, as you share with your work is looking mm -hmm. within ourselves for, uh, that stability and that peace. Uh, so I'm not looking for that externally. Absolutely. Right. Right. For sure. So tell it, we find the $50, say we have the $50 and we want to invest. What is our next step? Sure. 
So let me talk about some myths because it's very important. Some of you may have heard of Warren Buffett. Mm -hmm. You heard of Warren Buffett. So Warren Buffett is famously known for two rules. Look, I've got two rules. One is don't lose money. <laughs> rule number two, don't forget about rule number one. <laughs> All right. So th throughout my career on Wall Street, of course, we're focused on investing and looking for returns and positive returns. But we spend so much more time thinking about where could I lose money? How could this go wrong? Right. So I want to start with some of the common myths that are ways to practically okay. lose money. So number one, I need to find the 10 hottest stocks to make money. I need to find the 10 best stocks to make money. Is it Google? Is it Tesla? Right. Is it the new electric vehicle startup? Look at Rivian. Rivian came into the market a year ago. And people thought, let me just buy Rivian. This could be the next Tesla. Well, it went down. It was the worst performing stock on the stock market in 2020. It lost 75% of its value. The hottest stock of 2021 lost 75% of the value in 2020. There's so many more examples of this. Having been a professional stock picker, this track record it, on Wall Street, Think about it. We're spending 80 to 100 hour weeks, right? This is our life. This is our bread and butter. This is what we live and breathe. After all that, if an analyst in Wall Street is right 55% of the time. Really? 55% of the time? 55% of the time. So what hope does an average investor have who has not even an ounce of access and information and skill set of what these professionals right. have? And that's why I cringe when someone says, oh, I'm, I'm trying to find the 10 best stocks. Andy, can you tell me what your 10 best stocks are? Or by the way, I want to, I want to address this topic as well about asking others for advice. What are the 10 best stocks? And I want to know when to buy and sell. Well, there are no consistent 10 best stocks. There are no 10 hottest stocks. Instead, this is, I don't know why it's such a well-kept secret, but it is, it won a Nobel Prize. But most people don't know about this. Wall Street professionals do. What do you want to do? Is again, I'm not a financial advisor. Or we should caveat that I'm not a financial advisor. None of this is financial advice. None of these are recommendations. It's just my two cents. Is invest in, instead of having 10 best stocks, 10 hottest stocks, invest in five to 10 decent, diversified funds. And I'll explain all this to you that don't move together. Okay, five to 10, so you're keeping the portfolio okay. simple. Portfolio is portfolio, five to 10. Decent because there's no consistent best. Diversified funds. A fund, Kelly, holds hundreds of stocks, hundreds of bonds. So one company goes bankrupt, you won't even notice it. You're spreading the risk, right? So you want to invest in five to 10 decent diversified funds that don't move together. They don't have to move opposite. One goes up, the other does not have to go down. They just don't have to move together. So if one goes up 10%, the other goes okay. up 5%. If one goes down 5%, the other goes down 2%. Or one goes down 5%, maybe the other one does go up plus 1%. They don't have to move opposite. They just don't have to move. Yeah, they just don't have to move together. So for example, gold doesn't move with the overall okay. stock market. Or the US stock market doesn't move like the bond market. 
or the U.S. stocks don't quite move like stocks in China, India, Taiwan. Mm -hmm. You see, so these are different, different investments, different funds that don't move together. And that's the strategy. This part about not moving together won a Nobel Prize. Oh, okay, wow. This is the part most people don't know about, have no idea. And let me repeat the secret sauce. I call it the secret sauce because it's so simple. You want to invest in five to 10 decent, diversified funds that don't move together. See how this makes mm -hmm. a little bit more sense now. Mm -hmm. And my whole course, my 10-week course is based on investing based on this secret sauce. Let's keep things simple. Not simplistic because that is gimmicky. No. Simplistic is gimmicky, but let's keep it simple. Let's keep it fun and build this portfolio that's very unique so to we're you. Not, we're not putting all our eggs in one basket. We're kind of spreading them out. To what works for us. You're spreading okay. them out. Exactly. And the worst mistake people can do. And of course, in this one-hour podcast, we're not going to learn about how to invest. That takes, you know, in, I can teach that in 10 weeks in my course. But I want to leave you with important nuggets where how not to lose money. Which is good. <laughs> Which is good is investing in single company stocks or think about the Bitcoin craze, right? Uh, during 2021, 2020, 2021, it lost 80% of its value in 2022. It's come back up. Now that is a huge roller coaster, right? As a single mom, as a single working mom, you've already got a lot of pressures. Do you really want to go on that roller coaster of massive up, massive down, massive up, massive no. down? No. And here's the second myth. The first myth is I need to be in the five, 10 best stocks to make money. No. So we talked about an alternate strategy. People can rewind and, 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 and hear that strategy. And please ask me more questions. We'll talk about how you can get access to me. I'd love to serve you. The second myth is um, I, uh, I, I, I need to invest right. in dollars. I can't, right? I need to have a big chunk of money before I can start. In the US, we are advantaged. We have a huge advantage that we can buy a fraction of a share. You can start investing with $20 a month. You can start investing with $50 a month because say a stock, say the S&P 500, most people will not know what that is. I'll explain it to you. It's the 500 biggest stocks okay. in the United States. Apple, Google, Boeing, Marriott Hotels, right? Procter & Gamble, okay. Clorox. 500 biggest stocks. You don't have to go buy 500 individual stocks. You can buy a share of one fund and you get access to all these 500 stocks. So I'm not gonna recommend any, any of these, it's not a recommendation, I'm using this as an example, say SPY, Sam, Peter, Yankee, SPY, is one such fund. It gives you access to 500 stocks in the US. Each share is about, I think, 450 bucks. And you're like, oh my God, Andy, how am I gonna find 450 bucks? You can buy $5 of the 450 oh, wow. bucks. You can buy a fraction of a share, yeah. incredible, right? Most people that and what people do is they invest in penny stocks because oh my god i've only got five dollars ten dollars and let me buy these penny stocks penny stocks are super dangerous no. super dangerous now why wouldn't you just buy five dollars ten dollars fifteen dollars of this s p 500 you're getting exposure to 500 stocks right that is one way what i want to share is you don't have to feel that you need to have ten thousand dollars before you start investing you want to start investing the power of fifty dollars right, right? Power okay dollars so you can buy a fraction of a share. And by the way, in the U.S., you don't even pay fees for buying and selling, the trading fees. So that's a huge advantage. Second, the third and final myth. 
I've made this mistake in my formative years. And let me ask you this. Look, there's no <laughs> shame in admitting mistake. There is no shame. And that's why I say I'm the first one to say I've made this mistake. How tempting is it to ask a knowledgeable friend, can you give me your five best yeah. ideas? Yeah. Oh, we all do that. Someone that's older, wiser, done this before. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Can you give me a five best ideas? All right. Let me, let me tell you a story. Yeah. Well, Are we okay, okay on time? Okay. So let me share this story. It's a great analogy. I love this analogy. All right. So, um, let's, let's say Samantha here, Samantha has got an aunt, uh, who's a hedge fund manager. Hedge fund is, you know, you, you, it's a professional investing firm. And Samantha's aunt owns this hedge fund. She's a rock star on Wall Street. And Samantha is a single mom in her uh, late 30s. And she wants to start investing. She calls up her aunt and says, hey, aunt, Samantha here. And uh, I'm going to start investing. So aunt, can you give me your five best ideas? Her aunt obviously is super well-intentioned towards Samantha, right? This is her niece. It's like, great. All right, here are my five best ideas. She gives it to her. Samantha goes and invests that, those five best ideas. Now, this is similar to imagine we're in an airport. And Samantha's at the airport and her aunt is at the airport. And Samantha doesn't know where her aunt is going. They both live in Chicago. And uh, Samantha wants to go to Sydney from Chicago. Her aunt is going to Tokyo. She gets on the plane following her aunt. Like, oh yeah, I think my aunt's going to, my aunt's going to Sydney because they had talked about going to Sydney about a month ago. So she sees her aunt, she assumes she's going to Sydney, so she jumps on the plane going to Sydney. Halfway through the flight, when they're flying over Beijing, and her aunt is up in first class, she's in the back of the coach. Her aunt gets new information, and she's like, oh, I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to go to Beijing. So she puts on a parachute, <laughs> and she jumps off the plane, and down she goes into Beijing, right? And the flight lands, and it's Tokyo Narita Airport. Welcome to Tokyo. And Samantha's like, wait, how did I end up in Tokyo? I was going to Sydney. I assume I was going to Sydney. She gets off the plane. Where's my aunt? Oh, she left. She's in Beijing. Now let's, let's, let's make the, let's make the parallel. What do I mean by this? Your investment portfolio should reflect your risk tolerance, your goals, and your values. Think of a three circle okay. Venn diagram, right? Your risk tolerance, your goals, your values. They are very unique to you. That intersection is so unique to who you are. No one else can have that same intersection of your risk, your goals, your values. Your aunt has a separate set of risk, goals, and values. And you have no idea. You have no idea. She gave you five best stock ideas, right? You have no idea what is the rest of her net worth mm -hmm. invested in. Is it a very stable set of properties that she owns? She's got some hedge fund investment, some private equity investment. You don't know. You don't know what her risk parameters are. You don't know whether she's going to retire in five years or 30 years. Or this portfolio is not for her retirement, but for legacy to pass on to her kids. You know nothing of that. 
You just blindly took her five best ideas. Your risks, your goals, your values are very different because you want to live every day and you want to provide for your kids. It's a very different right. risk profile. Right. So she was going to Tokyo, but you assumed she was going to Sydney, which is your destination. And then she's got the right to change her mind because that's what happens. If she's invested in these five stock ideas and the information changes tomorrow, which it invariably does, and she decides to sell four of the five positions, she's not going to remember everybody she gave advice to. No. As well-intentioned as she is towards you, she's your aunt, she's not going to remember to call you and say, hey, Samantha, I changed my mind on the four ideas and I'm now out of them. And you get left holding the hot potato. That's the same thing. She took the parachute, jumped off because she changed her mind and she would start to go to Beijing instead. Meanwhile, the plane landed in Tokyo and you thought you were going to Sydney. Not only are you in a different destination, but your aunt isn't right. there. And that's why a lot of people fail to reach okay. their goals. And what I want to do is if you're, if, if, if you, if, if you think this will be a good idea, I'd love to gift something oh, to your aunt. So it's a six minute clip. It's right from my course. And it helps you set this GPS, this very GPS. It helps you set most investors. I've seen even experienced investors. We're not talking about professionals. Experienced non-professionals make this mistake. And beginner investors are making the mistake all the time is not knowing where am I going? So what I've done is it's taking me 20 years to come up with this super simple tool. And the effectiveness is in, is in its simplicity. It's the five questions that you're gonna ask yourself and I'll guide you through it. And as, a, as, as you go through these five questions, you will determine what is your risk tolerance and what are your goals? And once you get a framework for that, am I a higher risk tolerance? Am I a medium risk tolerance? Am I a lower risk tolerance? That perspective is so important because then you can decide, are you going on a flight to Sydney? Are you going on a flight to Tokyo or to Beijing? Because now you have a GPS okay. set. And it completely changes your frame of mind and how you start thinking about saving and investing. And most people don't do this. So is it a surprise that they don't reach their goals? That's true. Right. I'd love, I'll put a link. I'd love for uh, your audience to, uh, uh, to, uh, to get this gift. They'll also come to my newsletter. And that's one way that I use to serve people for free, where my goal is to support you to build a skill set with ease and joy. And I did not like dense and boring <laughs> newsletters. So I put out a newsletter a week, which is hilarious and funny. So people can always opt out of it. If it's not of interest, I encourage people. If it's, if it's one more thing that you don't need, unsubscribe. Because we do not need one more thing that is causing us. It's not bringing us joy. Oh. Well, thank you so joy. much for that gift. We'll put everything in the show notes for everybody listening. So you can click the link and we can be a part of andy's newsletter so tell us you have a challenge coming up as well right tell us about your challenge so these single moms can get in this challenge so that we can learn yeah. more i'm very excited about this three-day challenge and i know how busy you are so when i call it three days you're not spending your entire three yeah, days doing this uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be an hour and a half we're going to do it in the first week of may uh, it's uh, going to be Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We'll put in the dates in the show notes. It's going to be an hour and a half each day. And then there's an optional 
VIP session, which I'm not going to charge for, but I call it a VIP session so that you don't feel guilty about, oh, what did I miss out in that extra hour, right? So for those who want to stay on, ask me more questions, engage with me, we'll have a free VIP session after the main events. So we'll do this Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And the goal will be, of course, I'm not going to be able to teach you everything about investing in just this time, but I want you to walk away with some important skill sets. You know, we talked about several today, but I want to dig deeper. And uh, several hundred women have taken this three-day workshop. I offer it about three times a year. And uh, they've really benefited from coming to this workshop. And for those of you who want to dig deeper, who want to do more, of course, I'll be offering my course, which begins in mid-May. It's a fun 10-week expedition that we start uh, May 16th. For a small number of you who want to take that next step, of course, I'd be offering that. But don't come in with the expectation of uh, being sold into something. I want you to come in with the expectation of actually learning something tangible, a real skill set that you're going to be proud about, that you can actually implement. Again, we're not going to learn everything about investing in just these three days. But you're going to walk away with some real tangible skill sets that will give you a spring in your step. And my biggest goal is that you start to see how investing can be fun. It is doable. And it's a way for you to claim your birthright of financial empowerment. And that's what us single women need to keep going, right? Single moms. Because for, for me, the financial empowerment means freedom. Freedom to have more time with my family to, you know, take the you know, days off in the summer. And yes, so this is very important. Kelly, tell me a little bit more because I, I talk a lot about what does financial empowerment really mean? I don't like using the word financial freedom because that sounds almost a little mm -hmm. gimmicky. Uh, financial empowerment. Financial, financial independence. Right? Financial yes, independence. It feels like a weight is lifted and you have the freedom to do what you want. To, you know. choices. 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 You have choices right? that you didn't have before. Nobody's, you know. Looking at them, okay, you know, you can only do this. You can only do this. Okay, we can only stay in this hotel room. We can't get, we can't get one with a view or we can't stay. Whatever it is, it gives you that freedom. It gives that freedom. And I, I, I like it. This is, this is so helpful to hear your perspective on this because, you know, obviously I'm not a woman. And my mission, my drive to serve women comes from right. watching my mom growing up. The stories that I shared with you that 950 women have shared with me and seeing my two little girls, like what, what kind of a society do I want them to grow up in? That's why I left a 20-year Wall Street career to share my skill set with women, but I'm not a woman. So it's so important that these conversations, Kelly, the, the amazing wisdom that you shared with me, I love following your content. I, I look at your posts and I learn so much from how you think and how you share and just your perspective right now, what does financial empowerment mean to you? It just helps me get a little bit more in touch with how the woman I want to serve, how is she thinking? What is your pain point? So I can do a better job at understanding that and meeting you where you are and then share my skill set with you. Uh, and that's so important. Uh, so that financial empowerment part you said is so important. And the way I've understood it from the 950 women, what, what does it mean for them? And they've all said, it's like some version of what you said is I want to live life the way mm -hmm. I want. And that comes with choices. 
And those choices come with having that financial yes. independence, which comes from investing systematically, which comes from saving, which comes from the power of $50. Right. So people remember what Andy said, right? So everybody listening, make sure you have your notebook and your pen and your purse this week, right? Get one today, get your pen, get your paper, go through your bank statements, go through your credit card statements, see what we can save, right? And I'm doing the same thing. I've got my notebook and my pen. I just don't have it right so, here, but I'm so doing the same exercise. Let's do that. It'd be really cool. And I'll put this in the post and see how many people are doing the challenge with us and see if we can start this. And then I'd love to see you all in May for uh, the uh, investing challenge. Come to it. No obligations. Uh, I think I, I think put yourself in the challenge. It's so easy to remain in status quo, Ellie, right? It's so easy to remain in status quo. But as um, as my mentor, Dean Graziosi says, your next level is on the other side of taking uncomfortable action. And Kelly, you came to my Friday workshop. It was not easy for you to spend that hour and a half, two hours. You had a million other things, but you mm -hmm. prioritized that. I'm glad I did. And let me just give something. Let me just tell everybody. When Andy says that he's doing a VIP session for question and answers, he does that. He will stay until everybody has their questions answered. So believe me, if you have a question for Andy, stay tuned because he will answer it for you. He will. I want to thank you so much, thank Andy, you. for being here with us today. Kelly, it was such a pleasure. I love the work that you do. It's so aligned with what I want to do. And it's such a, a privilege to come into your community and um, to be the first guy on this show. Uh, thank you for seeing my heart and uh, for extending me this, uh, this invitation to speak with you, speak with the audience today, share, share what I care for. Um, I really cherished this time. Thank we you for it. We do too. We do too. Thank you. Thank you. And for anybody that wants to get a hold of Andy, I will put all the information in the show notes, or we can email you too, right, as well? Absolutely. Please. I love when someone reaches out with questions because it's my way to serve you. And I often tell my students, like, you cannot ask me enough questions. If I can serve you, ask me 10 questions, ask me 20 questions. So please, you don't have to buy anything from me so that I can serve you. It's available for free. So uh, please go to the show notes and uh, you awesome. can Awesome, thank you so much. Thanks Kelly, thank you so much. We wanna thank you for tuning in today. Every Thursday there'll be new episodes, so definitely check back. In the meantime, feel free to follow us on Facebook at My Happy Place and Instagram at My Happy Place for life, that was with the number four. Remember, you're smart, you're beautiful, and you got this. See you soon.